0: And answers. Why is it that so many Christian women live spiritually shallow and defeated lives and never grow deeper and overcome simple habits? In her book, Stop Calling Me Beautiful, Felicia Meinsheimer challenges women and pastors to quit settling for shallow, feel-good messages, and dare to grow deeper in your spiritual life. You're tuned to Evidence and Answers Radio Broadcast with your host, Pat Zucaran. Pat is an author, teacher, and international speaker in the area of Christian apologetics, the defense of the Christian faith. In today's broadcast, Pat and his guest, Felicia Meinsheimer, will conclude an interview and discuss the message Christian women want and need to hear.
1: Yes. Now, I think a lot of women listening are saying, yes, I I agree, that's what I want, but many might feel intimidated they don't have the kind of seminary training or bible training that they feel might be needed to really go in deep and understand god's word what's your advice to people who feel that they are not able to understand you know the deep truths of god
2: That's a great question. And I think so many of us have either been there or we are there right now. And so I would encourage someone to know that they're absolutely not alone in feeling a little overwhelmed by studying the Bible on their own or without a Bible study help or something like that. And I have a lot of resources on my website to help people who want to get started. But a few things I'd say right out of the gate, your church community will be so helpful to ground yourself in and ask for resources, ask for, see if you can borrow a Bible dictionary or a commentary to help you as you begin reading the Bible on your own. I always recommend the book Women of the Word by Jen Wilkin to learn how to study the Bible on your own and start somewhere simple, like the book of John, which isn't a simple book, but it's pretty straightforward. And Starting there will give you some confidence in reading the Bible on your own, beginning to pull those truths out. And then the last thing I'd say is we have so many great pastors and scholars and teachers available today who know Greek and Hebrew, who've done the work for us who provide resources that we can utilize to understand the text better. I love to read the Bible background commentaries that by InterVarsity Press because they give context to what's going on in the passage. And so for people who are just starting out, I think those kinds of resources can really help them make sense of things at the beginning.
1: Yeah, and I like what you said in your book, you know, it takes diligence. Mm -hmm. You need to show up. It is a battle, a spiritual battle. And to master God's Word, I think everybody can do it. But it's hard work. It's not easy. It's hard work. You got to show up and you got to put the time in. And you're going to have to find the time to put in. I see men and women who are great at piano or the violin, well, they didn't get there five minutes a day, quick 10 minute uh, devotional or something. I mean, they got their hours of practice and making mistakes and mm-hmm. going over and over again. Or, you know, I'm in athletics and I see women who play golf or, you know, in the karate gym. They're there for hours mastering the moves and learning the techniques Uh, You don't, you know, become a golfer by watching the LPGA and then going out and shooting (laughs) bar. It takes a lot of work. And I think for some reason we suddenly think, well, you know, when I get to God's word, the Holy Spirit's going to guide me in five, ten minutes a day. I'm going to master God's word. No, what you're saying is it takes diligence. It takes hard work, but it can
2: be done. Yes. And I think, too, we tend to forget that the Bible is ancient literature, Greek and Hebrew, translated into English or whatever language that is your native language to read today. And so that means that understanding it is going to take some work because you're looking at history, you're looking at culture, and you're looking at the inspired words of God in those contexts. So every year that I read the Bible, and I read through the Bible every year from beginning to end, I find something new. I learn something new that is exciting and engaging and teaches me more about the Lord because I don't know everything, you know. I'm showing up as a student of the Word, and it never will get old. There's always something new to discover. So we don't have to master it all in one day, you know. we Our job is to show up diligently.
1: Right, and just because you read a particular passage, and something like Ezekiel or something, you don't get it don't be discouraged and say, well, I'm going to skip the book and just read what I want. No, right. like you're saying, you know, trudge through it. You n- you may not get it the first time, but there are things you'll get. But then the second time you read it, the third time you read it, when you discuss with other people about the book and what's it saying, then it's going to start making sense. But you got to stick with it, as you said.
2: Yes. Yep. Those hard books, you definitely need to utilize the resources and get the help to study them. But it is so worth it. And funny you mentioned Ezekiel because when I first started studying the Old Testament, I asked a friend, what books do you think I study first? And Ezekiel was her recommendation. (laughs) And so (laughs) I got a commentary and I did it. And I was blown away by the time I was done at what I did learn about God because I was so skeptical and so kind of afraid of it, honestly. Uh But truly, it impacted my faith a lot, and so you never know what God will use to draw you closer to Him.
1: Yeah, and as you state, it's every believer's responsibility to know and Mm -hmm. study God's Word and and master God's Word, because it's got to be interpreted and understood correctly in its context. Mm -hmm. And a lot of things I'm seeing in preaching today is just misapplying because of bad interpretation, misapplying God's Word, and as a result, the people get a shallow kind of message. So it's uh, every believer's responsibility to really get into the Word and know really how to handle God's Word. Absolutely. Yeah, you know, I was listening to a preacher, big church, big church, when I lived in Texas, very popular church, growing church, and but his messages were, were what you were saying, and he was preaching on Proverbs 31 for Mother's Day. And of course, fantastic passage on Proverbs, the Proverbs 31 woman. And he, he opened by saying, this is the perfect woman. She doesn't exist. So if you don't match up to her, don't worry about it. And then he just went on and he said, let me tell you about the perfect man. He doesn't exist. So don't worry about that. And he pretty much talked about, but feel good where you're at. Don't worry about it. You're not mm-hmm. going to match up to the Proverbs 31 woman. So don't." And he just kind of dismissed the whole passage like that. And I thought that that was one of the worst sermons I heard from a very influential preacher there. And uh, I shot him an email afterwards and I said, Proverbs 31 is in the Bible for a reason. Mm-hmm. And there are some valuable, valuable principles there that men and women can learn from that you just completely dismiss there. But that's the kind of improper interpretation I see going on. And it's each individual's responsibility to learn how to handle the Bible correctly.
2: Yes, I totally, totally agree with that.
1: Yeah, so you talk about in your book, you're busy as a high school student, but you got even busier as a college student and then as even more busier as a mom. How are you able to, some women out there are saying, that's great, but I don't have time to stop and go to a seminary or Bible college to take these courses or whatever. How did you find time to really get into God's Word?
2: Well, you find time for the things that matter to you. You know, nobody has a problem making time for Netflix. (laughs) Uh Nobody has a problem making time for our phones. And so we have a choice to make time for the Lord and see him as valuable, see him as important to living our life or not. And honestly how we spend our time reveals our priorities. And so when I was younger in high school, living at home, no responsibilities, or even in early college, and I wasn't married and you know didn't have a full time job at the time, I had plenty of time to work in a, a nice long Bible study, you know, breaking down the passage, studying it, writing notes. And now I have two kids and we're expecting our third and I run a business in a ministry. So things are different. They look different now. But what still matters the most is that I ground myself in who God is and that I approach him as often as I can. And so every morning I get up before my kids and most mornings, about at least five days a week, I do this. And I sit down and I spend 30 to 40 minutes reading a passage and taking notes on it. Now, if someone's just starting out, it might be 10 or 15 minutes or it might be 30 minutes, three days a week or two days a week. Don't be ashamed of where you start. Small beginnings are still beginnings. But I will say that the only reason that it happens in my current life stage is because I believe that it's essential. I believe that it's important. And I believe that my children and my husband and the people in my life need me to be grounded in the truth. And I think every woman can say that same thing. The people in your life and you yourself need you to be grounded in the truth. And so that means going directly to the source, taking the time, learning how, being a student, even when it's not always your first choice, even when you might not feel like it.
1: Yes. You know, I think you make a great point there. You make time for what's important. I remember when I was a pastor, I was talking about that at a Bible study and a woman got so upset and she threw her day timer right at me. She goes, open it up. When do I have time to study God's word? Like you said, when, when? And, you know, she threw the day timer at me and I just looked and I said, well, you make time for what's important to you. And she she opened up her day timer and just slammed it and said, okay. Show me, show me some time. And I was like, you really want, you know, so I looked and I said, okay, well, you have two and a half hours at your son's baseball practice. I said, well, maybe Mm -hmm. the, she said, well, I need to talk to the parents. I need to, and I said, well, maybe the first half hour, lock yourself in your car and and just read God's word. And then the next two hours come out and go talk to the parents. And she just said, no, you don't understand. You don't have kids. Uh." And she went off. Well, the next day I saw her in church talking about Korean soap operas and how many hours that her and her friends were watching the Korean soap operas. And I didn't say anything, but I wanted to say, hey, wait a minute, didn't you tell me you didn't have one minute in your day? So like you're saying, you deliberately gotta make time for the things that you see as a priority.
2: It's true, and you can be so creative. Like what you said, the half hour of her son's practice, she could use that. I remember my first job out of college that was full-time, I often used my lunch breaks if I didn't get up early enough. To do it in the morning. I had a weird shift. I worked 12 to 9, then I worked ten to seven. Wow. And when you work those strange shifts, you can think, Oh, I don't have time for that. But we all have time that we're allocating in a certain way. It's kind of like budgeting money, you know, you're budgeting your time a certain way. And I consider time with God a tithe of time or offering of time. So we can withhold that from him, or we can give it to him in faith that he shows up and meets us there.
1: Wow, that's very well put. You talk about in your book, as you study God's word, one of the things that's going to be revealed is the sin in your life, you know, and that uh, is a tough thing for many people to deal with, that I'm a sinner and I got these ugly things still in my life that I really need to deal with, and a lot of, of us, you know, really don't want to. So I mean what is your encouragement to readers working through painful circumstances or things like bitterness and resentment?
2: I would start by just first telling telling the Lord, pouring out your heart to the Lord about the issue. And I know some people maybe are new to prayer or new to talking to God about these kinds of things, but I think that that's a really good start because we have to acknowledge that we're struggling with bitterness or resentment in order to actually deal with it in any way. And so telling the Lord, look, God, I know you see my heart already, but I am angry and I'm bitter over this and I need, I need your help to work through this. Then what I like to do is go to the Bible And look up verses about the thing I'm struggling with, whether it's jealousy or envy or bitterness, anger, whatever it is, and see what the Bible says about that topic. What would be way easier for me is to sit and stew about it and rehearse the situation, rehearse my own feelings, vent to somebody about it. So instead of venting, the third thing you can do is choose a couple select people who you trust and who you know are godly people and ask them to pray for you in this situation. Not a bunch of people, just two or three. (laughs) And ask them to pray over that situation for you and your own attitude in it and for any wisdom that they have. And so that combination of prayer, the word, and godly counsel really helps us to navigate those difficult areas and just cultivate the heart that God has for us.
1: Yes, I see it in a lot of women. They build up resentment against their husband who may not know you know exactly what he's doing, that may be really hurting her feelings, but they build up this mm-hmm. resentment which turns into bitterness and then pretty soon that bitterness develops into really some ugly things in the marriage, the ending of communication, the ending of being intimate with your husband. suddenly the mm-hmm. desire to look at other men or the things you read in these romance novels and and judge your Mm -hmm. husband and say, wow, this guy doesn't match up at all. And that's not a healthy way of dealing with it. I think it's really valuable that you, what you're saying to confront it, to deal with it, to confess it and, and work through it with other mature sisters in the Lord.
2: Yep. It's the only way truly to overcome sin is to bring it to the light.
1: Yeah. One of the chapters I think is going to catch a lot of people's attention is what you talk about, redeeming broken sexuality. Mm -hmm. What's broken in regards to female and sexuality?
2: Well, for many women and men, sexuality is a point of great pain or a point of great shame. I think this is because our sexuality has incredible power and it impacts us physically, it impacts us emotionally and spiritually. So it really touches every part of our being. So for many, the wounds of the past, whether it's decisions they made or whether it was decisions made by other people to abuse them, are carried with them and are a trauma that they haven't dealt with and leaving them with a broken sexuality that can twist their view of God, can twist their view of, you know, the opposite sex, the twist their view of themselves, so many different ways that it can impact them.
1: Yeah, so... How does one overcome these issues regarding sexuality, especially in women?
2: Well, this is for sure a process, and it's one that I've walked through myself. My testimony is in the book of my own journey with sexual addiction and shame and guilt and things like that. But once again, it really starts with acknowledging this is a struggle for me. You know, I am feeling this shame, or I'm feeling hardened against the opposite sex, or bitter, or um, afraid of love, of marriage, of sexuality in general, because of what happened to me or the choices that I made. And acknowledging that is the first step. I do always suggest talking with a biblical counselor about these things. I think it's so helpful to get counsel. But in addition to that, I think a big part of this is allowing the love of God to truly pervade our existence, to truly accept that when God says that he loves us so much that he has engraved us on the palms of his hands, that he sent his son into the world, that he sent his son to die for you knowing that you would have sinned sexually or knowing that you were abused sexually. He did it anyway. He knows the whole story and he still is there to redeem and restore you. And I think we, with sexual sin, it's so easy to get twisted up in the shame. The enemy just uses it to keep us in darkness. And if we can just trust the Lord and continue that journey of trusting his truth over our sexuality, that's the way to freedom.
1: Yeah, and I think as I was getting to the end of your book, I saw the big picture coming together. As we learn more about God and get deeper in our walk with God and understand the character of God, we are, you know, as the writer of Hebrews says, you know, we're more bold to approach God and to deal with what is unholy in our lives. And we come to Mm -hmm. understand ourselves in a deeper way and that we are indeed sinners. There's great things mm-hmm. in our life, but there's also ugly things of that we're doing now, ugly habits we picked up, ugly things in our past that he wants us to deal with. And so yeah. that's part of what you talked about being able to have that victorious Christian life and just not being in this continual cycle of sin and not experiencing the power of God. Yeah. Is that where you were going exactly. in this book? Did I get it?
2: Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yes, we can live bound to who we used to be before Christ, who we are apart from Christ, or we can live bound to everything Christ offers, the life that is in him. He himself is life, the way and the truth. And so we can live in that reality or we can live in who we used to be. Because when Christ died, there was an identity change. We still have all those old habits, you know, and those old patterns that have to be broken, but the identity fundamental identity change. So I hear people sometimes acting like, well, I'm just going to memorize the fruits of the spirit and every day I'm going to do it, practice it. And there's an element of obedience, of course, but this is not about willpower. It's about knowing who you are in Christ and walking that out. And in order to truly appreciate who you are in Christ, you have to know who you were before Christ, the, the whole gospel, not the half gospel. And from there, The Holy Spirit empowers us and changes us and transforms us into the image of God.
1: Yes, and part of experiencing victory in Christ is not constantly to be told, you're beautiful, you're fine, just the way you are. But going through those dark valleys with God and going through those struggles and dealing with sin and overcoming sin, which may take weeks, months, maybe years, but yes. working working through that, and that can be very tough and painful. But what do you have to say to people that think, well, I don't know if I want to go down that road. I don't want to know if I want to expose these things of my past. What do you have to say to them?
2: Well, that's tough because I know it's hard to expose the things that we have done and let the Lord see them and then even eventually let our communities see those things, those weaknesses. But Ultimately, we have a choice. We can live a life that is less than God's intention, or we can live the life that he is standing there offering. I offer for you to be free from your past. I offer you to walk in peace with me and in communion with me. I will offer for you to walk in victory. All of these things are promised by the Lord for those who walk with him. And We can choose not to embrace that. And that's what we see for many Christians. They grow more bitter or more shameful or more insecure as time goes on because they've never accepted who Christ is for them and the work that he wants to do in them. We have the Holy Spirit. We don't have to listen to to him. We don't have to follow his leading. And so it's kind of like, believe in Deuteronomy where God says, I have set before you life and death and you get to choose which are you going to choose? And that's the choice that we all have today.
1: Very well stated. You know, this was a book you wrote for women, but it's a valuable book if men read it as well. I mean, what do you see men taking away from this book?
2: So I've actually had quite a few husbands read this along with their wives, which I was super honored by, because I know it has kind of a girly, um, <laughs> but they read it with their wives and it. they said the women and men who gave me feedback said that they really had some great discussions come out of it surrounding how these different areas of life are impacted by the gospel, the legalism and sexuality and grief and things like that. And I think for men, because the book was written to women, it may give men some more perspective on what women are being taught. And I hope that more and more churches and women's ministries and pastors who oversee women's ministries will encourage a deeper theological teaching for their women and encourage them to open the Bible for themselves and maybe for a season move away from a book study or move away from a structured Bible study and just teach their women how to study the Bible that would be my hope for men and women both
1: fantastic now
2: if people
1: remember one thing from your book here what is it that you would like them to remember
2: I think that if I had to pick one thing I would hope they'd take away that God wants to be sought. So all of this talk about going deeper with God. It's not theory. It's not to be, you know, a, a brainiac about Bible facts. It's because God wants to be sought and he is found by those who seek him. And so if this inspires people to go deeper in their faith and to seek him more, I know that he is going to show up and meet them there. And, That to me is all I ever hoped for.
1: Wow, fantastic. You know, if people want more information or they want to connect with you online, where can they go to get more information about you and your work?
2: Well, they can go to my blog. I have about 500 articles all for free on there, as well as free email courses on Bible study, on sexuality, on biblical productivity and things like that. All of that is on my my website, which is FeliciaMasonheimer.com. You can also find my books, both Stop Calling Me Beautiful and other books that I've written there. I'm also on Instagram, which is probably my most popular social media platform. We do quizzes, we do on the Bible, we do talk about theology and culture and things like that. And I am at FeliciaMasonheimer on Instagram and then the same on Facebook.
1: Yes, wow. A tremendous resource there i've been to that website and it's a lot of great resources for you there yeah we've been talking with felicia masonheimer and a book i think every woman needs to read stop calling me beautiful so felicia you know thanks for writing the book and thanks for being with us here on the evidence and answers thanks so much for having me patrick
0: we've run out of time you. They- for joining us here on evidence and answers radio broadcast we hope you enjoyed today's show if you would like Pat to speak at your church Bible study or perhaps hold an apologetics conference give him a call locally in Hawaii that number is 483-0586 or you may contact him through the evidence and answers website that's evidence and dot org to keep broadcasts like Pat's on the air we rely on generous support from you for the opportunity to donate head on over to our website. That's evidenceandanswers.org and you may do so right there online on the homepage. You will also find that we have a wide variety of resources available to you, including articles and additional audio for you to listen to or download. So be sure to share our website with those around you. Join us again next time on the air or online as we provide compelling reasons for faith in Christ. That's Evidence and Answers with Pat Zuckram.